1: We're back, we're black, we're brown ambition. We're extra brown today. Well, we're minus a brown, but plus a brown. So I think we're on net, net. (laughs) We're the same level of brown ambition. Um, Welcome to the show. We've got a special guest today, but before I introduce our special guest, I want to remind you that next week my new book made whole comes out remember it is the workbook version of um of, of my textbook get It with money new york times bestseller almost 300,000 copies sold made whole is going to walk you through 10 simple steps to achieving the financial foundation you need to build the rest of your amazing life on. Okay. So if you want to get a copy, go ahead on over to made Get yourself a copy. Um, there still might be some signed copies left. That's made whole All right. So in the stew today, we have a, let me, let me get, let me pull his bio up. I think I met Jude. I don't even know, like three years ago. So Jude Bernard, he is the founder and CEO. He is a founder and a CEO. Um, And he owns a company now called the Brooklyn Bank. Jude founded Brooklyn Bank, Inc., in 2017, and he is responsible for the organization's direction. From his 30 plus year span of his entrepreneurship career, Jude prides himself in learning from mistakes and bouncing back from numerous setbacks. He is passionate about sharing his wealth of information and personal experience with local schools and community organizations to help others avoid the mistakes he's made and successfully navigated. Um, to his own source of financial freedom So beyond his role as a leader of the Brooklyn Bank And as an entrepreneur He is also a licensed real estate broker A licensed general contractor Oh, I didn't know that, Jude A business consultant, landlord Public speaker, philanthropist And wealth educator So we welcome to the show Jude Bernard Welcome, Jude
2: Hey <laughs> You know, I was about to call you by your <laughs>
1: My last name, Alice.
2: (laughs) Exactly
1: (laughs) Well, um, so I met Jude Jude, when did I meet you? Because I think you invited me to speak Um, You had like a Father's Day kind of Well, it was Juneteenth, also Father's Day But did I know you before that? When you invited me to
2: speak? I think we had kind of like, you know Through the circuit kind (laughs) of Known of each other and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature So um, we First really started communicating I think it was like June 2020 Well no excuse me it was earlier than that It was um early 2022
1: Because mm-hmm, you so had like been, this This amazing it, um uh, I remember it was like Ange, Angela Yee, you had the guys from Earn Your Leisure, honestly you had Some of the best and brightest Minds in black personal finance on that Stage Um and the worst <laughs> And so it was a, it was a really <laughs> pretty awesome experience. And some people I'd known via yeah, social, so, some people I knew, obviously, r- real life in person. Um, And it was kind of like the first time that I had like experienced what you do in person. But for the people who don't know what you do, so there's like two sides of you I know. There's like the real estate side. You know, you're like, you know, the joke is Jude owns half of Brooklyn, right? <laughs> Um, but then there's also this like financial education, philanthropist side, um, that I've come to know through the Brooklyn bank and the work you do there. So let's talk first about kind of like the real estate side. So when it comes to real estate, like where, where do you stand now? Like what, like, what do you do? Do you own commercial properties? Do you own, um, like uh, residential properties? Like what are you, what's your, your main source of, of, of business?
2: Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yes to. All, yes to all that. No, um, I have a very, very diverse portfolio. Um, okay. I focus on pretty much multi, you know, multifamily units at brownstone, Brooklyn. Um, I was lucky to get into Brooklyn in early two thousands before Brooklyn became Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked up, you know, a dozen or so brownstones back then for a couple hundred thousand and. Never in my wildest dream did I ever think that <laughs> this is what this is what it would become. Um, I also I recently I recently got into the the short term rental business. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up a 17 unit building in Harlem okay. um, that had a what do you call those licenses? A, an SRO license, which which allows for transient occupancy. So I picked that up a few years ago, and I converted it into a a short term rental, a short term rental building that would be legally able to to host Airbnb. Mm. So while the whole world is crying, Airbnb is the devil, Airbnb <laughs> is bad, Airbnb is gone. Um, you know, I've been doing pretty well with that. Um, I have an event space, mm-hmm. you know. I'm just real estate guy, you know, so.
1: But I remember like you told me uh, once, I think it was like I was hanging out with you and your friend Uche, you guys were kind of laughing about like how you started like in the real estate space. Cause you weren't always obviously in real estate and you like, it was kind of like an ex-girlfriend that prompted you to get your, (laughs) to get your money up. And I don't know how comfortable you feel like telling the story, but as much as you feel comfortable, I think the people would love to know.
2: Oh sure, I'd love to share it. Um, it's you know, in every situation, there's 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 like this point where a turning point where it seems really really bad, but then in hindsight, it's, it kind of becomes the the seed that grows into something else. Uh-huh. So I remember it was, um, you know, the early nineties, mid mid to mid to early nineties, uh-huh. and I was seeing a beautiful beautiful girl before there were. Um, before there were Instagram models, uh-huh. there were video vixens. <laughs> and I had the um pleasure and the discomfort of dating one. So um she ended up being a lead in in a fun you know, funny enough, more money, more problems was the video. <laughs> <laughs> and um once that started, you know, I I had I had the Puffies, the Mike Tyson's, the Macy's calling my house for my girlfriend and stuff like that. And, <laughs> you know, and I remember one time she came home with about $50,000 worth of Versace clothes talking about, oh yeah, Mike Tyson bought this for me. You know, oh that's my, my friend.
3: <gasps> oh my
1: God. It's not like you can so, fight Mike Tyson. <laughs> it's not like
2: I can fight Mike Tyson. Anyway, um, I was working at Verizon, make happy, happily making, you know, a couple of hundred dollars a week.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And... Um, you know, things got to a boiling point and and on my exit interview, you, you know, you know how you have the, the exit interview as you're breaking up, you know, she pointed to me. She was just like, yo, I asked you to buy me a CD and you told me I had to wait till the, the end of the week to get the CD. You know, it's like $13. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like CDs came out on Tuesdays back then mm. and I got paid on Friday. So she's like, by Friday, everybody would know all the songs of this that, the other.
1: how old were you both about around in your 20s
2: 1920 yeah. oh yeah yeah like young so it was at that point i was just like all right cool um i'm never ever gonna be in a situation where i don't like i'm not able to compete mm-hmm. financially okay you know um Not that, you know, not that my whole thing is tricking or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was just like the insecurity, the way I felt less than, the way I felt that, you know, um, somebody was choosing other people because I was lacking in one capacity. Okay. So, you know, at that point, that's when I was like, oh, never again will this be me. Okay. So it was at that point that I started taking, it was at that point I realized that you know, four or five hundred dollars a week is not that much money, mm. <laughs> even though it was enough for me at the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, but um, just realizing that you know, like, like there was a lot more out there. So, um, a couple of months after that, that's when I acquired my first property with the goal of making five hundred dollars a week. Excuse okay. me, five, an extra five hundred dollars a month.
1: Okay, and so, so that was, what? Well, how did that look like? Like, so, you know, you go from this heartbreak, like, ah, oh, she chose Mike Tyson over me, yeah. <laughs> which is very interesting. Right. But so then what did that look like? I remember when I, I was hanging out with you and then your friend Uche came over and you guys were sharing that there was a group of you at that time that initially we're supposed to invest together. Correct. In Brooklyn.
2: Yeah. Like I remember we had this meeting. There's about 20 of us that got together mm-hmm. and we were just like, Hey, if we each put like a thousand dollars together, um, we could start buying real estate together. And um, it's kind of like that group trip, mm-hmm. you know, um, everybody's like, Oh yeah, I want to go to Africa. I want to go to Africa. <laughs> yeah, we'll Go to Africa. You know, six months, six months Six month when it's six months out, and then when it's three months out, it's like, well, I can't, and this person I can't, and then next thing you know, you're in Africa by yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um it was just—it's exactly what happened. Um, from the twenty of us that from the twenty of us that got started, mm-hmm. um, to to um, my friend and another guy, mm-hmm. they partnered together, and I pretty much I pretty much went on my own. Okay, and. Out of the out of that big group, we were the only ones that actually did anything.
3: Mm. And
2: funny enough, you know, decades later, everybody's like, "Oh my god, if I only knew."
1: Mm. Hindsight is twenty twenty.
2: All the time.
1: Mm-hmm. So you got your first property. Do you remember what it was?
2: Yes, I do. It it was, it was a two family house with an illegal basement. Don't go get <laughs> illegal basements out there. It was a two family house with an illegal basement. I'm in Southside Jamaica, Queens. Um, it was I had two Section Eight I had two Section Eight tenants and I had um, I had somebody living downstairs in the basement. And at the end of the at the end of the day, like I I ended I was working on my MBA at the time. Okay. I was working on my MBA and you know you know how like when your your, your financial aid hits and then you get that refund check. Mm-hmm. So I used that refund check as my down payment to get the properties. So that's how I got the first property.
1: Okay. I was going to ask you because so many people are listening and they're just like, um, and certainly we're not giving, you know, financial advice or investment advice, but just curiosity of like, you know, if you're making 500 bucks a week, which, you know, for a 19 year old back. You know, in the 90s, like you said, it's not bad money. It's not my Tyson money or Jay Z or Puffy money, but still, but how do you get enough money together? So you found a way, basically.
2: There's always a way. You mm-hmm. know, um, like I always say, you can either beg, borrow, or steal without stealing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, you found a way. You got your first property. And how much was it generating you
2: monthly? It, it was generating me about $600 a month. You know, and I remember. It was it was generating six hundred dollars much cash flow, but what I did not realize that um, I would now start getting a huge a huge tax refu- return. Excuse me, a, a huge tax refund because of all the benefits, the mm-hmm. tax benefits that go alongside yeah. of it. And what I did not know as well at the time, because I was just think I was just thinking, oh, I just need cash flow. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of of the appreciation. Yeah. So um there was the rent, the appreciation. Um, I was not aware of the debt reduction on the mortgage that every month that the it would become a little less. hmm So this in reality, this one I was thinking 500 dollars a month, but mm-hmm. this one thing was probably bring me, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. like when you add up everything all together. But so that's-
1: So here you are, this young man scorned, Mm but you know, we, we thank God for sis. hope she's doing
3: well, (laughs) but
1: it opened you up to, um, you know, basically put a battery in your back and you started to invest. And so you were, did you finish
2: getting your MBA? No, no, no. Um, before, first of all, I stayed at home. Like, you know, when I started making money, I I was three properties in before I left my house. Mm. You know, that's, that's a key. Like, you know, I while you have minimal responsibilities you've got to stack that paper and you've mm-hmm. got to do the most and um i was working on my mba and i had i had i think at that time i had about three properties and i was flipping properties as, as well while mm-hmm. i was working on my mba and and um keeping my nine to five okay and i remember i remember the um the coming into late coming in late one day to one of my classes after work, after dealing with with something on a a job site. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the professor had said something as I walked in late. He said, is there someplace you'd rather be? Mm. And you remember how the teacher used to give those little breaks?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, halfway through the class, so Mm -hmm. you go stretch your legs and things like that. I remember leaving my book bag, my books, all that stuff, as I went on that break, and I decided right then and there that I was done with mm. the whole MBA thing. That you know, he was right. There was someplace I'd rather be. Okay. And, and- um, I remember I was working on the MBA as a Plan B to climb the corporate ladder. Okay. And I was working at Verizon at the time. I could use that to um, that piece of paper to climb the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. But um, it kind of clicked when he asked if you had some place better to be that mm-hmm. you you would you would you would much rather be. Mm-hmm. I decided right then and there. Yeah, um, I'm going to make my plan B my plan A.
1: Okay. And so in that one thing I've learned is that you know education for all, college for some. You know because somehow you you know you're a general contractor. So w- when did you pick up that licensing and that skill set?
2: Um, I picked up that license about six, seven years ago. Okay. Um, I was doing all these construction projects, and I was paying people to um, pull permits. I was, mm-hmm. I was actually acting as a general contractor, even okay. though I didn't know what it was. And um, it was just like anything else, if you immerse yourself, you kind of learn mm-hmm. as you go along. Um, and next thing you know, it gave me having the um the ability to look at properties from the perspective of a, um, a contractor gave me another income stream as well as another avenue to get more property.
1: Okay. Cause I know, for example, like I remember when I was buying my condo, not that you charged me, but I called you (laughs) and said, Oh, I'm not really sure. So I'm purchasing a condo. This is the amount that it was, you know, I think it was like at its peak, um, it was on the market for six hundred and seventy five thousand or something like six seventy five or six fifty, um, and then she brought it down to like uh, five seventy five because people didn't buy it, um, and then she brought it down to five fifty, then five forty, and I just remember being like, "I'm able to get it. I think I got it for five twenty. That's what I was going to put an offer in, but." Part of me felt like I wanted to get it for like four seventy five or four fifty. Oh no, four. Yeah, four seventy five. I think I wanted to put an offer in, which I did, and she rejected it. And I told you I felt like I should just walk away. And you said, you know, you gave me some really good advice. You said a few things, like one, you know, how is that not a good deal? It was on the market for six seventy five, and now you're getting it for for five twenty. And I just was like, I just feel like it could be lower. And then you asked me, is this something that comes on the market often? Is this it, is it, is it special? Is it Like, you know what? This is a very, very regular property that comes on the market quite often. And I was like, honestly, it is a unicorn in that it's five bedrooms, three and a half bath. It's a condo, all one floor, views of Manhattan. Like, you know, you see the New York City skyline. It has a working fireplace. It was built about 100 years ago. So it has all the beautiful structure that comes along with it. And so well built and quiet. Um, There's only one other person on my floor. So I have a semi-private elevator and you were like, yeah. In other words, a once in a lifetime, like, okay, you can hold out, but, and you certainly could get a cheaper place, but it's not going to give this level of specialist. And it, that, you know, that was one of the reasons why, you know, that advice that you gave me is one of the reasons why I, you know, I went ahead and I'm really happy that I did. And I purchased, um, uh, the property because I had not looked at it that way in my mind. I just kept thinking I could do even better. I could get it down lower. Um, if I make, if I make her hold out, maybe, Cause she hasn't been able to sell it. That was my thing. She had not been able to sell it in two years, you know? And you were like, yeah, or or, or somebody might come on, come along and gather it from underneath and you'll be sad. So,
2: you know, like we should never make an issue out of money. That doesn't matter.
3: Mm. You
2: you know, um, true story. I purchased 477 Quincy in 2007 and I paid $430,000 for it. Mm -hmm. Um, 475 Quincy came on the market. Um, I think it was like less than six months later. And they want, they wanted about $500,000 for it. Mm, $25,000 uh, more. Yeah. And I was just like, Hey, I know what I just paid for this property six months ago. This is the same exact house next door. You're not getting me. Mm. You know, fast forward 2020. No, 2019. Fast forward 2019. I just paid, um, For 479 Quincy on the other side of the house, I paid $1.2 million for that house. Oh, man. All right. And then fast forward, fast forward last year, I was in a bidding war for 475 Quincy, the one that I turned down. Oh, my
3: gosh, for 500,000.
2: It it went all the way up to like $1.9 million. Wow. Wow. And then. And then I, I, that's when I had to bob, bob out, Okay. you know, but that was my building to have, <sighs> you know, um, for money that doesn't matter yeah. because the truth is, um, whether, you know, from 500,000 to, you know, the $75,000 that I thought that I was really holding up for was really the difference at 70,000 70, to 40, That's that's like fourteen thousand dollars out of my pocket would have been, and Mm. maybe the mortgage would have been like another um, another um, hundred bucks a month. Mm. But sometimes we get so caught up in the number and the competition and the um, and the game that we start to um, we start to make things we we start to lose sight of the big picture, and we just want to win
1: yeah and that's how i was feeling i was like oh because i bought my current house now i got it from it was a bank fore- foreclosure i got it for 180 you know put like 180 into it it's now worth about 520. so i was like okay then i bought a city property for ten thousand dollars it was a tax deed um and i put like 130 into it and i sold it for 275 right so that and i remember you told me you're like that's cool but that's not normal like, don't if you can't measure all of those deals and thinking like I should always come out three, four five times ahead, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that was just a really good let I me. Mean, I don't consider myself, quote unquote, a real estate investor. Just if a property comes up and it makes sense, then yeah. I may um, uh, invest. But it was like really good advice to kind of pull. Plus, I didn't really like the seller. She was kind of like a terrible person. She still is. Charlene, you owe me $400. But, um, but so, so that also played a role because like the negotiating with her was just, she just wasn't pleasant. And I was just like, but you were like, but it's going to be your house. Like who cares? Like she's, you know, burn incense, whatever, get rid of her energy. But you know, once you purchase
2: it from her. Yeah. There, you know, there, there are business decisions and there are personal decisions Mm -hmm. that involve money. They're not the same thing. Okay. You know? So it's just like, you touched on something um, a second ago about mm-hmm. how you flipped that property that you purchased for, um, you got it for a deal for 10,000 mm-hmm. and then, um, you spent, put 130 into it and you mm-hmm. sold it for one, for 280. Mm-hmm. And I think when we were speaking earlier offline, I had told you that I had a, a windfall, a, a windfall in crypto this week. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell you, like, I had to, I had to also say, it's not, it's not like I can replicate that all the time. Yes. You know, and I think sometimes we get so caught up, like, you know, we, we, hit, we score, mm-hmm. um, what the kids say, get a lick, hit a lick, hit a lick, <laughs> hit a lick. <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: Uh-huh.
2: So like everybody wants to hit a lick every time and yeah. that's not, that's not, um, that's not how the the world works, you know, um. In real, in reality, if you're doing if you're doing ten percent return on your investment, you're doing good.
3: Okay. If you're doing
2: twenty percent, you're doing great. Okay. You know, if you're doing thirty percent, you know it's a unicorn.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know, don't you know? Don't think that every deal is going to be a unicorn. A unicorn. Okay, that makes you know, sense. Don't think that every time you're at the bat, you're going to hit a grand slam home run. You know, but those base hits that up. Okay. So don't sit on the sideline either.
1: So so that's a good transition into someone might be listening and they're like, right now, interest rates are, <clears throat> relatively speaking, high to what? People Terrible. Mean. <laughs> so what, I mean, if you ask my dad, he's like, huh, in 1985,
2: the interest rate was 15%, you know, whatever crazy it was. Yeah, but I was so. in third grade. <laughs> It's not, it's not my business.
1: <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> so, but someone Did who not affect
2: is- the price of Tootsie Rolls, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if someone is listening and they are like, okay, I want to either be a homeowner just to own my own property, or I want to consider investing in real estate. What would you tell them during this time now with interest rates being the way they are inflation being the way it is? Like what advice would you give someone? Like if you were starting out in this space, what what would you want to hear?
2: hit the pavement and be relentless the deal is out there you just okay. have to you just have to find it okay. and if it makes sense at eight and a half percent interest rate um it is gonna make you a ton of money when you refinance it to six and a half or six percent okay you know like um the deals are out there you know a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines and mm-hmm. there are people who just have to sell and there are going to be deals out there. So if, if it cash flows, if okay. it cash flows at eight and a half percent, then it's definitely going, it's, it's going to be a cash cow mm. at 6%. So, so break so, that down um, for
1: people. So let's just say, so <clears throat> I was just, um, on, uh, IG and I saw fortune magazine posted this thing called the silver wave that they're um, that at a conference, AARP, um, Uh, just said that there are about 30 million homes that will be joining the market because, you know, we know that the baby boomers is the largest like block of demographic um, uh, folks that, you know, in in this, in this current, like where we are now in the world. Right. And so these are people who are in their like, I guess baby boomers are in their maybe sixties and um, Mm seventies. And many of them are wanting to downsize. And so as a result, there's about potentially about 30 million homes that might hit the market you know, in the next 10 years. Um, and so like, you know, to your point, it's like, you know, you might live next to an older lady who's 60, who's not 60, but 70 years old, who is like, you know what? I wouldn't mind selling to my neighbor, you know, but the young lady next door who, who lives with her mom and, you know, I don't have to go through the rigmarole of putting it on the market. So is that, this what you mean by hitting the pavement of seeing, like, not everything yeah. is going to be on realtor.com, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, you have to speak to your neighbors, speak to, mm-hmm. you know, speak to the barbershop, you know, make make a note in the barbershop what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, the laundromat, um, your attorney, your accountant, you know, everybody who has access to um, deal, mm-hmm. to deals is a lead source. Okay. You know, um and And you also you also have to keep hitting realtor dot com and the MLs so that you can familiarize yourself so that you are aware of mm. what a deal is when you see it. okay? So if you're on realtor dot com every day and you're seeing that um, you know houses on F- Flatbush Avenue are going for you know, six hundred thousand, six hundred thousand, six hundred thousand, and one day you see something advertised for four hundred and fifty thousand, right there, you already know offhand, boom, mm. that this is a deal. But unless you are there continuously, you'll you'll just, you know, look, if this is the only time you're looking and you see, oh oh look, it's going for four hundred and fifty thousand, but you have no point of reference, you can't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So you have to con- you know constantly educate yourself. I like that line you dropped earlier to uh, edu- college for some education for all.
1: Yes. Yeah. I forgot. Somebody told yeah. me that one time and I just thought it's true. You know, like everybody doesn't mm-hmm. need to go to college, but everyone does need to be educated.
0: You mm-hmm. know, like
1: whatever that kind of looks like. Um, no. And you're right. Like people kind of know that, like, you know, like I said, I don't I don't heavily invest in real estate, but I keep my ear to the street where I'm just like, if it makes sense, like the I wasn't looking for the the tax deed, but a friend of mine. Kept talking about this list. She's like, oh, you know, do you do you ever look at, take a look at the list? I'm like, what list? She was like, there's just a list of like tax deed, deeds that the city sometimes is trying to get rid of because these are broken down. Some of them properties, um, some of the nicer ones get gobbled up quickly, but there's some of them that are like basically damn near condemned, you know? And I was like, no. And so I went down to city hall and sure enough, there was a list of all these properties and I drove by all of them and I was like, Oh, that's D block. You know, if you live in Newark, you know, them number blocks. No, 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 no. <laughs> and so um, the, I, the property that I saw though, it was the last one. It was like a list of 30 properties and it was in the South Ward, which is definitely a rougher ward, uh, but it was right out. Like it was like three houses down from Weekway Park, which is a really nice park and i knew for a fact because i used to teach preschool around there that they had just bought um that new jersey transit bought this project built and called seth borden project which is a really bad project um back then my my kids used to actually like my the students who i taught used to live there and they had condemned it years prior and i knew that new jersey transit purchased it because they were going to be putting in a train line to go directly to the city and to the um to the uh um airport and i was like wait House is it still on the list? I mean, the property was, I mean, it was probably 30 cats living in there. It was not safe to walk on the floors were it just was a mess, but I knew location wise that it was in a good location for what was coming to that area. And so it took two years to close. It was such a mess um, because halfway through closing, we had to go through like a mayoral race, you know, depending on who wins, you might not get that property. <laughs> and so, you know, um, The, the, you know, the current mayor kept his spot. Um, and, you know, it took two years to close, but I was really happy that I did, but it took, I mean, I considered tearing it down and putting up a multifamily. Um, but the cost because, Of uh, because the property is long, not wide. The cost to do so, because you would have to basically shift the foundation back and we'd have to, I would have to move power lines. The cost to do so based upon what homes went for. Newark is a strange real estate space because the multifamily and single family houses kind of go for the same amount depending on if they're the same size. It's so weird. You can get a two family house. Yeah, then I don't the value, know.
2: The values are based by square footage as yeah, opposed to. Yeah, they don't,
1: which is so weird. I mean, of course, you know, you know, in the end, if you're getting cash flow, but I just remember thinking like, it just, the math was just, it didn't math. I just said, let's renovate what's already here, which was a modest, um, two bedroom, one, one, one bathroom. I put a half bath in the, off the kitchen. Um, and so I did that and I'm so glad that, um, I did. Um, oh. my late husband, Jarrell, you know, managed a project and, um, I was going, he was going to rent it out. This was going to be the beginning of, he worked for housing as a super. So he was going to, after retiring in a few years, because he was 41 when he passed away, the aim was by 45, he had 25 years in housing. He would have a pension. He would have his full, like, like insurance. And then this was going to be like the second half of his life was going to be like, I, you know, we'll get into real estate. And, you know, he could do that. And I still do the budgetista. Um, but he passed away just as the property was finished. And I knew I did not want to be a landlord. Um, and I knew that his twin brother wanted to be a homeowner, especially in Newark where they were born and raised. So it was a perfect opportunity to keep that property in the family. So I sold it to, his twin brother, who loves it so much because he his twin brother is a master painter. He actually painted the house for us inside. Yeah. Um And so now Terrell gets to live in the house that his brother built, which is awesome. And I sold it for him, you know, at a fair price because I told him all that money goes right into... Um, my stepdaughter Alyssa's account, so she doesn't have to worry about school or her first property when she graduates school, and so it just worked out beautifully. Um, I knew I could have kept it and made more money in the long run, but some decisions are hard decisions, you know. Um, sure. And so, yeah, it just worked out wonderfully. And now I just found out that they're building a Lionsgate is building a studio, a, like like two minutes away from the house. So the uh, uh, you know the appreciation is just going to be tremendous for him. So it will change the trajectory of his family. You know, because you have this property, um, it's already worth more when the train station is done. It's going to be worth even more. And then when Lionsgate comes, it's going to be worth even more. And so that's transformative for him, his son, his wife and his family. So, yeah, it's just legacy, a beautiful legacy, thing. legacy, legacy, literally. And so I love so, that. Um, yeah. Real estate can do that.
2: So one of the things that um, you you had great you, you had great vision on this one. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think when you are purchasing property,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and to be a great investor, you have to buy with vision. You know, most people sell what they have, mm-hmm. but the great investors are buying what the property can be as opposed okay. to what it is. Okay. You know, like you, if, if you're buying it, if you're buying a property that's worth $200,000 and your, your use for it is going to be exactly the same thing. You know you you and you're you're not you're not going to come off mm-hmm. that's not a lick mm-hmm. but when you buy that property that's worth two hundred thousand dollars but you see you see where the neighborhood is going mm-hmm. you see the um improvements that you could make you see how you could reconfigure this property that's that's where where the wealth happens that's where mm-hmm. you get the big bang you know um The building that I purchased in Harlem, um, I ended up putting an extra thousand square feet on it. Okay. And this this building that um that nobody wanted, I I make anywhere from sixty to eighty five thousand dollars a month on it.
1: That's incredible.
2: You know, thank you. Um but it everybody just had this because it had a stigma on it. That people were not thinking well on a positive note that you could do short-term rentals, and mm-hmm. nobody was thinking, nobody nobody was looking at it, mm-hmm. nobody was looking at it from that lens. So once you cha- once you master your vision of seeing things like different ways, and once you make yourself um, able to profit from many different ways, mm-hmm. you'll do well in this business. I love whether, that. Look,
3: go ahead and talk to
2: whether you're trying to make your money as a landlord, whether you're trying to make your landlord, um your money as a real estate broker, whether you're trying to make your money as a general contractor, mm-hmm. a consultant, whatever it is, you know, you could if you have many avenues to to um, make money, you always make money in real estate because there's more. You know, it's not just buying and selling. There's so many ancillary ways you could do well. So I want to take a quick break and I want to come back and talk about
1: the transition that you made into teaching financial education, you know, the the real estate investor that's, that's doing well, you know, why pour back in? So we're going to take a break and we'll be back in
0: black. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Hey, 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 BA fam,
1: if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
0: not guaranteed cash reserve offered through betterment llc and betterment securities betterment is not a bank
1: do you ever have subscriptions that you forget about i did hmm. do you have a hard time canceling those subscriptions because they seem tricky or time-consuming raise your hand i know it's you okay rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills yes I can see all my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I cancel it with a tap. I've never had to get on the phone with customer service in order to do so. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions, okay? So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Brown Ambition. That's rocketmoney.com slash Brown Ambition. Rocketmoney.com slash Brown Ambition. Okay, so we're back. We're talking to Jude Bernard, Sakpasé, Passe, na boule. I didn't even say, you know, for those of na, you who are- Naboulay. Naboulay. Na na so Sakpasé means like, wait, what's up, right? Exactly, and then nap boule means what? I'm burning.
2: What? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what it. That's what really? it means. But it that's just um that's the slang. It's like yeah, I'm good. I'm cool. You know, things are good. <laughs> nap boulé,
1: Okay, yeah. I love that. Basically, I'm lit. You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Fire emoji. Fire emoji. Fire emoji. <laughs> okay, so Jude is here with us in the stew. So, so here you are. You know, you become successful in real estate. I know you've definitely told me you've had some times where you, although mm-hmm. on the surface seemed successful, that you were broke because real estate can also take everything out
2: of you too. Yeah. 2000, you know, I went from, um, I started my real estate journey in two in 1997
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I had, a, I had a good run from 97 to 2005, 2006. Mm. Um, Recession. 2008 hit and um, I had no... D- I wasn't playing any defense. Mm. So, so when the, you know, when the tide switched,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, I lost it all.
3: Okay. You know,
2: like I went from, I went from, you know, having a, what I, like a net worth of a couple million, Mm -hmm. um, in the hood, like Mm -hmm. when you're young is like being a billionaire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I went from like being a billionaire a hood billionaire <laughs> to, to to literally, um, like literally sitting in my house waiting for them to come take it away. Mm. And so I, I during that time, you know, the depression, the thoughts, mm. the the thinking about how did I get here, all the mistakes that I made. You know, that's when I realized that um, I really never learned mm-hmm. about business, about money, or anything like that. Mm. All I did was I, I was just riding a good time,
3: mm. you know,
2: because those, you know, in, in the early years, it was just like, hey, you buy it for hundred and a year later, it'll be worth 150. Okay. You buy it for 150 and a year later, it's going to be worth 250. And then you take money out of that and this, that, the other. But, um, I didn't, I did, I did not understand how it works and the importance of, um, of playing defense, of having having a good understanding of your risk tolerance and what ifs and all that other stuff.
3: Okay.
2: So um, by 2011, 2012, when I got back into the real estate game and I started making money again, okay. I was selling these properties that are, um, I was picking up properties for about five or $600,000, mm-hmm. putting two, $300,000 into them. And I was selling them for like a million and a half to two million dollars. Okay. You know, and I was doing that like twice a year. And I realized that, um, not one person that I was flipping these properties to, I was buying them from people that look like me, mm-hmm. but I wasn't selling them to people that look like mm. me. So I was kind of whitewashing the neighborhoods. Okay. All right. And I realized, not even I realized, but I thought that the, the reason people like me were not purchasing these properties is because they did not know how to how to um, manipulate money. Because money is a tool that needs to be manipulated to do what you needed to do, All right. So that's when I started the Brooklyn Bank. You know, focused on financial literacy and economic empowerment. Yay! Shout <laughs> out.
3: <see>. So
1: <laughs> Brooklyn Bank is that actually a bank? I remember the first no, time I didn't. heard it, I was like, "Oh, yeah. so why would you call it
2: that?" You see, I got this little line in it, right? Because <laughs> it's not really a bank, right? Mm-hmm. In in the sense that that you know we don't we don't make deposits and withdrawals of cash. But what we do is we make deposits and withdrawal of information, which is which is what we do is we share the information so that people could be better suited to and better armed to um to compete
3: mm-hmm. for
2: real estate, stocks, insurance, you know all these things that my mom didn't teach me. Okay you know, that, that I had to basically learn the hard way. Um, so hopefully through the Brooklyn Bank, we could skip a step of people making these mistakes um, because they're armed with the information so that they could, you know, know how to invest so they can actually buy some of my properties mm-hmm. instead of, you know, it all being the others.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And so I know the Brooklyn Bank is also event space, that you yes. allow people, who especially people who are wanting to teach financial education. I know you offered to me with my new book, Made Whole, coming up. At the, if I wanted to have like a launch party, since it's financial education based, to have something there to to reach and teach the community.
2: Yeah, you know, there needs there needs to be a place where people come and they get the information that they need to d- take them to the next level.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and even as the event space, what I what I do with the event space is I use the events to um kind of pay for the nonprofit work.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So um I love that. So that way the um the you know um the building is self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And you know everything could be done with a pure heart.
3: Okay.
1: So so what's like what is the next phase? I know you and I sometimes talk offline about like what does life look like? What does legacy look like? What does life look like the next five or 10 years? Because Now you've done the thing, right? You created wealth for yourself. You've, you know, you've invested in real estate, you know, where you were, I'm assuming you, were you born in Brooklyn? You were born in, in Haiti, born in Brooklyn, born in Brooklyn, raised in Brooklyn. Um, you know, and then, you know, you turn right back around and pour right back into the same community from where you came. So like, what does it look like? What does five, 10 years look like for you?
2: Well what I'm doing right now is i'm I'm investing heavily um, not only in real, in um, in real estate but in real relationships okay you know um, pouring into the next generation I gotta share this one quick little story uh, mm-hmm. of of why I like to pour so much into it back in like 2012 2013 when I started rocking and rolling in real estate I had a um, I had an assistant that was working with me from like 2008 when things fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and she rocked with me for like three or four years and I had an opportunity to acquire a deal that was going to, you know, net me a couple hundred thousand dollars, but I was short a hundred thousand dollars to get to the table. Mm-hmm. So I call her and I'm just like, yo, I need you to, I need you to make some phone calls. We need to raise a hundred grand by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So we need to call everybody, everybody and see what well, how much we could raise. So she's, she's just like, well, um, what's, what's the, um, what's the return on it you know what's the risk what you know she's asking me all these questions all these qualifying questions I was just like yeah yeah just get them on the phone just get whoever on the phone and I'll go through this with them once I get them on the phone but she's asking me I'm just like all right um all right so I, I'm answering these questions and I'm just like oh, where are we going with this she's like well all right cool I'll, I'll give you the check I'll cut it and I was like I was like where'd you get 100 grand from She's and she's like, yo. I've been up under you for the last four years. I would have been a fool if I don't have a hundred grand to show for it, with all the information wow. that you know, all the information and all the the deals wow. she's watching me make, right? And it was at that point I realized that you know you have to invest mm-hmm. in people because these are the same people that are going to come back and push you yeah. up, you know, and like even. So not only am I buying real estate and, and investing in business and stuff like that, but it's, it's super important for me to invest in the next generation because I don't want to learn AI. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like chat GPT is as far as I go, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, but it's super that, that's something that I'm doing right now. So the next five years, 10 years, um, I won't have to, be out there hustling is hard because I'll have, you know, a few people that I invested in that are kind of keeping me in the loop and bringing me, you know, opportunities that that I don't, that I could handle from the beach or I could handle while, you know, while I'm taking care of my daughter or I could handle while I'm watching TV in the middle of the day.
3: Yeah. You
2: know? So, um, like is she still with go- you?
1: That, that, or has she just gone off to?
2: to no, end- no, she is. She is. Um, it's it's so funny because she manages um, she manages like luxury luxury event spaces like mm. around the world
3: mm. like I'm talking
2: about like Abu Dhabi and, wow. and the World Trade Center things of that nature and I I, I asked her to come take a look at some stuff the other day and she's like sure um, you sure you could afford me
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that for her
2: <laughs> yes yeah, so but um but that's that's how it that's how it's it always going to be cuz you know at um I'm not going to be able to run full steam for the mm-hmm. rest of my life. Yeah. You know, so it's important that I create a life with people with the right people mm-hmm. um with the right opportunities where I can um sustain you know.
1: Okay. Well, if you had any advice for someone who is Kind of like just starting on there, maybe they had a light bulb moment, but they might not be 20, maybe they're 30, maybe they're forty, of like, okay, I want to to start to grow wealth for myself. I want to put myself and position myself to be able to take care of myself and my family in a way that's more sustainable. But they're just like, I don't know where to start. You know, like I don't know anybody in, in real estate, or I'm not really sure how to invest. Like, where would you suggest that someone who might be listening to this and might be like, well, I want to have my my journey to greatness like you have. Like, where would you suggest for them to start?
2: I would take a look. I would tell them first to educate themselves, Mm -hmm. um, read the books, um, but not just read the books, but find find a mentor. Okay. Whether whether that mentor is online or or in person Mm -hmm. or even. whether that mentor even knows you exist, but mm-hmm. find somebody find somebody that you could kind of watch their moves.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, like Jay-Z has been mentoring me since 1996 <laughs> directly, you know, mm-hmm. like, and um, I would tell them to do that. I would tell them to sacrifice,
3: mm.
2: you know, like you could have what, and I'd, I'd make sure that they understand that they could have what they want right now, or they could have what they really want. Mm. You know, like I tell people all the time, everybody wants abs, but everybody wants fries. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you
2: uh, know, yes, which so, one is going to win out? <laughs> exactly. Um, you could, you could have fries today, mm-hmm. but you won't have abs tomorrow. Okay. So, um, like being able to make those sacrifices is super important. Um, I think it's very necessary that you are true to yourself to decide what what is important to you mm-hmm. and and staying true to that because at the end of the day there are certain things that you are going to that are required for you to be successful some uh, amount of hours that are necessary for you to be truly successful and great at things and you have to look yourself in the mirror and say yeah i'm willing to do that okay you know even on the bad days
1: well, we thank you for coming in, Mr. Bernard. Um, where can people thank find you? Do they want to learn more about you? If they want to follow you on social media. Where can they find you?
2: I'm on IG, Mr. Jude Bernard. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, the okay. Brooklyn Bank.
1: All right. If you're ever in BK, the home of Biggie and Jay, exactly,
2: you
1: know? <laughs> and the home of Jude, Biggie, and Jay. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: I, I still live here. <laughs> I haven't sold out yet.
1: <laughs> uh, and again, like I told you guys, next week, my new book, Made Whole, becomes live November 21st. Um, yeah, it's available at com. If you're looking for that step-by-step guidance, um, as Jude mentioned, sometimes you just have to start. Well, you always have to start just where you are. So if you need guidance in the area of budgeting, savings, uh, debt, credit, learning to earn, investing, insurance, building a financial team, your net worth and estate planning, all 10 of those steps. Um, if you achieve all 10, each 10 is worth 10%. And that is where you reach financial wholeness. And my book, Made Whole, will help you reach financial wholeness. So until, well, we actually have a um, BAQA. So, I'll see you guys on Friday. Um, if not me, Mandy will for certainly be here. But thank you so much, Jude, for joining us. You've been really a uh, pleasure.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.